Welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. I want to thank everybody for coming today. I want to thank everybody that's watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. All right. Hey, we are in a series called Victory. We're actually on part six today of Victory. Uh, before we get into it, it is the first of the month, the first of every month we take communion together as a church. Uh, the only thing that we ask uh, if you want to take communion with us today is that you are a follower of Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, in about 35 minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus and you can take communion with us, okay? And so I will transition us into uh, communion as part of our response time today, all right? Awesome. We are in a series called Victory. Victory is here. We've been talking about really the, the point of we're not fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory, right? Yeah. But just because we have the victory inside of us doesn't mean we get to opt out of the battles, right? We're, we're constantly fighting through uh, the battles, even though that God has given us the victory, even though victory is inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and we still have to battle. That's why we've been going through, uh, that's why we're going through the, the, the armor of God. And so last week we kicked off the armor of God talking about the belt of truth. And the belt of truth is so important. It is the first uh, piece of armor that we put on. Why? Because it centers us. It actually holds a lot of the other armor in place. So we've got to have truth first, right? And so uh, we talked about that last week. And so today we're going to be talking about the body armor of righteousness. Before I pray, I just want to, I want to talk about spiritual warfare for a moment. I just want to talk about spiritual warfare for a moment. Why should I want to engage in spiritual warfare, okay? Why should I want to engage in spiritual warfare? Now, that word spiritual warfare, depending on uh, where you're coming from as far as your spiritual background, uh, either when you hear that word, either it doesn't mean anything to you or you hear that word and you're thinking like you need to walk into work on Monday, right? And start rebuking demons out of people. You're like, Susie, I'm coming for you, right? Like, right? okay, let, let's just kind of land somewhere in the middle, okay? Uh, actually, I, I just want to simplify spiritual warfare for us today um, as, we, as we get into uh, the message. Uh, really, the most simplistic term about spiritual warfare is that the enemy comes to deceive and God comes to bring truth, right? And it's really just overwhelming the deception of the enemy with God's truth. And really the three ways that we engage in spiritual warfare is through prayer, through reading our Bible, and worship, Okay, those are the three ways we really engage in spiritual warfare. Come on, every Sunday we're, we're worshiping together, we're engaging in spiritual warfare. When we pray, we are engaging in spiritual warfare. When we read God's word, we are engaging in spiritual warfare. What we're doing is taking God's truth and using it to trump the deception of the enemy. Okay? And so I want to give you a couple statistics, and then we'll pray, and we'll get into the meat of the message today. Um, as I was researching this week, and again, this goes along why 
uh, should we engage in spiritual warfare? Uh, in 2020, the Barna Group did a, a research study, and I don't know if this is the first time in, in, in American history that this happened, but they polled uh, different groups in the United States, okay? And 56% of people in America today uh, believe that the devil is real, 56%, okay? 49% of people here in America believe that God is real. So I don't know if this is the first time in, in human history a couple years ago that more people believe in the devil than they do God. And you're wondering what is wrong with our country today, right? And, and so let's just take it, uh, you know, let's take it from, from a Christian point of view. They also polled uh, Christians, and this is several years ago because these surveys take a lot of work and effort. And I think this was around 2009 that they did this. And so if you think the world has gotten worse, we can lower the percentages most likely. And so they did a poll in, in, uh, of Christians, Christians only, American Christians, and, and 75% of American Christians believe that the devil exists in some way, okay? 75% of American Christians believe, so 25% don't believe that he exists at all. Now, within that 75%, 40% actually don't believe that Satan exists as the biblical version of the, uh, of the devil. They, they believe that the devil exists as a symbol of evil, okay? So now we're down to 35%, and then within that 35%, there's some different nuances and, and stuff, but for the most part, they believe that the devil is, is real, okay? And, and now listen, the biblical version of the devil is the one that we believe here, okay, right? Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning, okay? He, he is a fallen angel, okay? In the book of Job, he comes before the Lord, and the Lord's like, what have you been doing? And he's like, I'm walking around the earth, okay? So he, he's a real fallen angel, okay? He, at one point, he was in heaven, but he got kicked out, okay? And, and his whole purpose, his sole purpose is to... Uh, attack humans, right, to deceive humans. Okay, that's the biblical version that we need to believe in the devil. And so 35%, some nuances, let, let, let's say half, okay, let's just say half actually believe in a biblical version of the, uh, of the devil. So that's about 17%, okay? So we have about 17% of American Christians actually engaging in spiritual warfare against the devil, and this is why we should care about spiritual warfare, okay? This is why Passionate Life Church, we need to care about engaging in spiritual warfare. And we wonder why there's so many things wrong with, with our society today. It's because we don't have enough people engaging the enemy in spiritual warfare. We don't have enough uh, followers of Jesus uh, stepping into the, the Holy Spirit power that God has placed in us and using that name that is above every name, that name is Jesus. And so church, we, we, we've got to be engaging in spiritual warfare. And it's a, you, you, you read your Bible, you're engaging in spiritual warfare because you're getting the truth in you. Man, when you pray for yourself, when you pray for your family, when you pray for your city, you are engaging in spiritual warfare. Why? Because you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. 
And so we should, we should care about spiritual warfare today, okay? All right, come on, let's pray, and then we'll get into the meat of the message today. Father, we thank you for this moment. Holy Spirit, this is your moment. God, I thank you for every person that is here today. I thank you for every person that is watching online this morning right now. God, you have a word for us. You have purpose for us right now. God, I just pray that you would protect this, this moment, right? These next 35 minutes, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in our hearts and our minds. Speak to us, Lord. God, get me out of the way. None of me and all of you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen and amen. All right. The body armor of righteousness. Let's jump right into Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Let's continue. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, in the body armor of God's righteousness. So what is the purpose of the body armor? What is the purpose of the body armor? The purpose of the body armor is it protects our internal organs, more specifically our heart. God's righteousness protects us, okay? God's righteousness protects us. And, and so if, now remember when the Apostle Paul is writing this, he, he is either looking at or he's imagining a Roman soldier, right, with, with all uh, of his stuff on, right, and, and all of his uh, gear on, and, and he's writing it symbolically to how we have weapons in, in warfare. We have weapons uh, man, when we go to battle, and he's, uh, he's taking the imagery of that and, and he's placing uh, weapons that God has given us, right? Truth. We should have truth wrapped around us. The body armor of righteousness. Now, um, and, and, and because here, here's the thing, church. Here's the thing. Because God isn't looking for, he's not looking for more fans, okay, that, that, that are ready to, to cheer God on. Uh, what God is looking for, he's looking for soldiers, Okay. He's looking for soldiers that will engage with the enemy, that will engage in spiritual warfare, man, that will pray, that will stand on the front lines, that will, will, will bring down demonic strongholds in their city and in their state, in their country. Like, like he's building soldiers. He's building an army. He's, here at Passion Life, we're not building a social club. We're building an army for the Lord. And so that's what I believe that the Apostle Paul is trying to convey that, hey, he, he's building warriors. He, he's building soldiers that are in active duty, okay? And we're always in this active duty mind, uh, mind frame because the enemy never sleeps. The enemy is always attacking. And so we need to make sure that we are wearing the armor of God, the breastplate of righteousness um, if you think about it from, from a Roman soldier perspective, they weighed 80 to 120 pounds. 
I mean, if you can imagine that. But they had to be heavy. They had to be sturdy because they protected all the internal organs, specifically the heart. And, and listen to this, church. God's righteousness protects our heart. We need to protect our heart with God's righteousness. Okay? And so what I feel like is going to be helpful today, I want to talk today from an Old Testament, an Old Covenant perspective of righteousness, and then I want us to look at a New uh, Covenant perspective of righteousness, because I feel like it will bring a depth to uh, this word righteousness that I think we get intimidated by, right? Oh, righteousness, I can't be righteous, right? It, it, it's a big word, right? But I, I just want to bring some clarity and, and some depth to this word righteousness and what it meant in the Old Covenant and what it meant in the New Covenant. And so let's look at the, the, the Old Covenant definition of, of righteousness from Psalms 89:14. Let's, let's read it. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendant. Look at, look at this. Even David writes this, truth goes before God's righteousness, right? Just like how the belt of truth comes before righteousness, truth actually holds righteousness in, in place, okay? And so righteousness and, and, and justice. So righteousness is living right before God. Justice is doing right, okay? Righteousness is living right. Justice is doing right. Now, if we took the old covenant principle to us today, if Jesus never came and died on the cross, you can probably imagine what life would be like. Basically, Passionate Life Church would just be a huge farm filled with sheep, okay? And every Sunday, you would come and you, your family would pick out a sheep and, and I would kill that sheep and, and that the blood of the animal would cover your sins. And so basically, every Sunday, I would just be killing sheep all day long. Right? I mean, because th this is what it was like under the old, uh, under the old covenant, right? You, you were cleansed up until you sinned again, and then you were under the power of sin again. That's why Jesus had to come and bring a permanent system. Thank God my, the majority of, of my job description isn't slaughtering animals, right? Come on. I mean, if you can imagine, right? Friday night, honey... Make sure we bring an animal on Sunday. Had a bad day yesterday, right? Like it, it, we, we're so blessed to live under the new covenant. Um, and so if we, and let me just sidetrack for a moment, okay? Because I, I feel like this is also going to bring depth to what is happening today. I think, I think this will bring some understanding of what's happening in our culture today. Satan knows that God's throne room is made up of righteousness and justice, right? He knows that. He knows that his, his man, his foundation, they're, they're almost like two pillars, okay, it, that make up the throne room of heaven, and that is righteousness and justice, okay? And so we look at uh, America today, and America was really built off of those two things, righteousness and justice, and you look at our political landscape today, right? And you have, you have Democrats 
that believe in, in justice, right? They're, they're all about justice and, and doing what is right for the marginalized and, and, and the poor, and that's why they want to create systems to help them. And then we, we look at the Republicans, right? They're, they're all about doing right, right? Like right living. And, and now most the parties now have become muddled, and, and who knows what they believe now. But they used to believe in pro-life, right? Uh, you know, they were against gay marriage and, and all of that. Um, but now it's, it's gotten muddled together. But it, it used to be that, right? And so as we see, Satan took two things that God literally built his throne room on, and he smashes them together. And he causes division. And this is how our country is eroding from the inside out. And this is how Satan always does it. He takes two things that are good. And this is why we, some of us have struggles in our marriage, right? He takes two things that are good, something that is ordained by God, and he, and he tries to get smash them together and, and, and erode us from the inside out. And that is what is happening to our country today. Our country is so divided. A nation divided cannot stand. Church, our only hope, our only hope is the church in America would get a fire underneath them and begin to pray for revival. And that revival would sweep our land. And people would be awakening to the lies of the enemy. And really, man, the lies of anything on television. I mean, I mean, it's just bad, but we see that this is what Satan is doing. He's, he's dividing us from the inside out. He took two things that God literally builds his throne room on, righteousness and justice, two good things, and he pits them against each other. And so let's look at new covenant definition of righteousness today. The covenant we are under today. And what's awesome is we're taking communion today. So we'll, we'll, we'll also talk about these uh, covenants today. Go ahead and put up Romans. Romans 3, 21 through 23. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. As was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you, we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So here's the, the new covenant, right? We needed, uh, we needed someone to take our place. We, we needed someone who was, who was perfect, okay? Now, let's talk about God's glorious standard because we've all fallen way short of it, okay? Let me give you an example. Uh, if God said, my standard, okay, to reach perfection, to reach my standard of righteousness, okay, you have to touch that ceiling by jumping, okay? Listen, there's no amount of box jumps or, or squats or, or, or how tall you are, right, right? You're not touching that ceiling on your own, right? It's, it's literally in, impossible for us to vertical jump and touch the ceiling. And that is the point. On our own strength and ability, we cannot reach God's righteousness. We cannot reach God because God's 
His bar is perfection. He needed perfect. And that's why he sent his only son, Jesus, to become that perfect, spotless lamb to die on the cross for us and allow us to, to step into this new covenant where we don't have to sacrifice animals anymore because he was the last sacrifice once and for all, past, present, and future. He covers all of our sins. He took all of the sin and the curses upon himself that day. Why? So we could live free from the power of sin over our lives. Thank Jesus for that. Come on. So where I want to end today, I want to end with these three points. We talked about uh, last week the same similar thing, but I want to talk about three signs. You are missing your body armor of righteousness. I want to talk about three signs. You are missing your body armor of righteousness. Number one, first sign that you're missing your body armor of righteousness. You are compromising with sin. You are guarding your heart, and there is some part, it's supposed to be you are not guarding your heart, and there is some part of your conscience that is seared. You are experiencing apathy. If you could just leave that up for a moment, okay? So, Solomon says, guard your heart above all else. And so when, when we don't guard our heart, it's probably because we don't have our body armor of righteousness on. And, and the whole point of these, this armor is that we're wearing them, okay? That we're putting them on every single day. And if we are compromising with sin in our lives, and listen, church, it just, it just takes one. It just takes one sin to begin to compromise on. And, and, and this is why Satan is attacking this book over and over and over again. He's trying to get us to compromise the word of God in our life. Why? Because if he can get you to compromise this, you can start compromising sin in your life. And, and I remember... As I was coming out of drugs and alcohol, there were parts of my conscience that was completely seared. That I took a hot iron and like, like I had no conscience, I had no bad feelings about, about the things that I, were, that I was doing. And I literally had to ask God, God, revive and bring back my conscience because it had been seared. And, and there was areas of my life that I was compromising on uh, because I had seared my conscience so bad in the life, my life, my previous life, right, of sin, that I needed God to reawaken that conscience in me. My mind needed to be to be healed in in that area. And so, what happens? One of the physical signs is that you you begin to experience apathy. When we moved here from Jacksonville, Florida. 11 years ago, one of the first things that I felt on, on the spiritual landscape here was the spirit of apathy in, in our city. And what's, what, what apathy does is, and here's your sign, okay, that you're compromising sin in some place in your life, is that you don't want to read your Bible anymore. You don't want to pray. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to go to your life group. You 
You, you're struggling to connect with, with God. You're probably compromising sin someplace in your life, and you've opened, your, your, you've opened the door to apathy in your life because it, first it starts with the spiritual, and then it, starts, then it goes to the physical, right? All of a sudden, you're tired all the time. You, you don't want to eat right. You're eating cupcakes for, for breakfast, right? You're eating frosting out of the can. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it happens to me once, once a year. I'm like, I've hit rock bottom, right? I'm eating frosting out of a can. Here, here, here's a little fun fact. Frosting is gluten-free, Okay. When you're eating it out of the can, you just kind of read it, you know? And, oh, it's gluten-free. Awesome. <laughs> but, but it begins to bleed into other areas of your life, and then all of a sudden, you don't want to get out of bed, and you don't, you don't want to take care of the kids, and you don't want to cook dinner, and it just, it just it bleeds. You don't want to go to work, and it just, because here's the thing, sin always leads to death. That's the purpose of sin. And when we're compromising sin in our life, man, Satan's goal is that he leads us to death, everything. He wants everything to die in our life. He has no hope or future for us. Only God has that for us. And so if you're struggling with apathy today, I would just ask that you would ask the Holy Spirit to search your heart. To search your heart. God, where am I compromising sin? Where am I not guarding my heart? It might be something that you're watching on TV. It might be a show. It might be the movies that you're watching. It might be the music that you're listening to. <laughs> I, uh, I used to be a big Metallica fan, okay? Metallica. And um, I used to work, when I worked out, I, when I would go to the gym, I would, I would blast Metallica, right? Get pumped up, lift some weights. And all of a sudden, I was feeling angry all the time. <laughs> like, why, why do I want to break stuff all the time? And the Lord's like, it's the music you're listening to. Stop listening to that music. It's making you angry and want to break things. And so maybe it's, it's the things that you're watching or the things you're listening to that could be getting you to not protect your heart. Number two, second thing, second sign that you might not have your body armor on, you are under some level of deception. Okay, there are areas of your life where you believe the lies of the enemy. Okay, here's, here's the physical sign that, that some of this is happening, you are experiencing fear, anxiety, and depression, okay? You are under some level of deception in your life. You're believing some lie. Maybe it's an identity lie. Maybe it's an image lie. Uh, maybe it's uh, self-confidence, right? Maybe it was something that was spoke over you as a child that, that you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to uproot in you. And so when you look in the mirror, uh, you don't see a beautiful son or daughter of God. You, you see someone who's broken and ugly and disgusting, right? You, 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 you lack self-confidence in who God has created you to be. Be. There's probably something in there. There's a lie that you, 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 you're, you're believing at some point. And it can, listen, it can start from childhood. 
Someone spoke something over you and you've never broken that curse that, that, that over your life. It could have been a, a boss or a coach or, or, or someone that has spoken something over you that, 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 you, that you've given place to in your heart and your mind and you're, you're, you're still believing it. And, and what is happening when you believe that lie, fear kicks in. Polarizing fear. Fear that doesn't allow you to move forward in the things of God. Doesn't allow you to move forward in, in life. You're, you're riddled by anxiety. Anxiety is just, man, it, it's at your, 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 your door and, and you struggle with different things. And because you're, you're, you're just, anxiety is just overcome and, and, and you don't want to leave your house sometimes or, or you don't want to go, go to a certain place. There's probably somewhere in your life there's a lie that you are giving into. There's a deception that you are believing. And then that can lead to depression. And more than ever, our culture is dealing with depression. And then more than ever, we're also dealing with drug addiction. And, and I'm not preaching against, you know, medicine or anything like that. Man, God's given us medicine to help us, okay? But I, I don't believe that we should be on drugs forever, right? I believe that God can set us free. I believe in the God who created me knows how to heal me from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes. And it might not happen right away, but that's why he calls us to be soldiers. That's why he calls us to engage in spiritual warfare. God has not given us depression to live in. No, no, no. He's given us joy. And it starts with not wearing the body armor, church. And if we're not guarding our hearts, what we are letting into our lives, we can easily be deceived by the lies of the enemy. Number three, number three. Last one. The third thing. Third sign that we're not wearing the body armor of righteousness. You are relying more on yourself than God. You live in doubt of God and even your eternal salvation. You are experiencing a lack of assurance. Sometimes this happens depending on, on what, and maybe you grew up in a, in a legalistic, uh, very judgmental culture where many years of my life as I was a little little kid I thought when I sinned if Jesus came back I'm, I'm left behind okay I grew up in the era of fire and brimstone and that Jesus could return at any moment and if you sinned the last thing you wanted to happen is to be left behind and so I would ask for forgiveness multiple times a day okay and I was just gripped by the fear of going to to hell all of the time and, and, and guys, God, does, God doesn't want us to live that way, okay? And, and it comes from this place of, of self-righteousness. And, and, and God wants us to have assurance. He wants us to have a blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Right? He, he wants us to live with the blessed assurance that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. 
And Satan attacks that, right? We talked about that a couple weeks ago, that he wants to fracture the confidence that we have in the power of Jesus because he doesn't want us to use the name of Jesus because he knows that he has to bow. His demons have to bow and flee from the name of Jesus. One of the ways you, you, you can tell that you're living in this self-righteousness is you just feel heavy. I mean, I mean, think about a breastplate of 80 to 120 pounds placed on you. Man, that's a heavy weight. And that's what, what self-righteousness does. You're, you're always trying, it, it, it traps you in these two things. It traps you in perfectionism and performance. And if you're doing good, if you're performing well, man, you're on, you're on cloud now. Like, like man, you, you are telling everybody about Jesus, and man, God is good, and, and you're putting things on, on social media, what, what God is doing in your life, man, God's great, God's wonderful. But when you're not performing well, you go dark, and you struggle. You're like, well, I might be good enough. No. You will never be good enough. That's the point. That weight of self-righteousness that you're carrying. Man, I got to perform. I got to perform. I got to strive for perfection. There was only one person who was perfect, and they nailed him on a cross. God does not want us to carry the weight of self-righteousness. We are not in a performance-based relationship Thank you, Jesus. Does he want us to serve him and do things for his kingdom? Absolutely. But it has nothing to do with how much God loves you and how much purpose that he has in store for your life. We've got to get off the perfectionism. We've got to get off the performance-based relationship with Jesus. He has called you by name. You are a son. You are a daughter of the king. He can't love you any more than he loves you right now in this moment. To reach God's righteousness is impossible. We can't do it on our own power or our own strength. We can only do it through Jesus. Well, take that weight off you today. Come on. Stop striving for perfection. Stop trying to perform. And God loves you. He's got a purpose and he's, he's got a plan for your life today. I want to end with this, this question today. Why should we care about making sure our body armor of righteousness is on? Why, why should we care? James 5, 16 and 18. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. I don't know any follower of Jesus that doesn't want their prayers to be more effective. Guys, righteousness is the key. Righteousness is the key 
for our prayers be more effective? And, and, and how do we get right with God? By confessing our sins, staying in this place of repentance, not staying in this place of perfection and judgmentalism and legalism. No. It's staying in this place that, man, I need Jesus every single day of my life. When I wake up, I need Jesus. When I go to work, I need Jesus. When I'm with my kids, I need Jesus. In my marriage, I need Jesus. In my workplace, I need Jesus. When I go to bed, I need Jesus. It's in this place where our reliance is on Jesus, not on me. And when we humble ourselves, right? Jeremiah tells us the key to healing a nation is repentance. If my people repent and pray, that's what we do every Sunday. Man, so many powerful things are happening in the prayer code. Why? People are repenting and they're getting prayer and they're getting healed and they're getting set free. This is what scripture tells us. Come on, church, we got to make sure we are wearing our body armor of righteousness. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Maybe you'd say today, Pastor, I've never said yes to Jesus and I need to today. Or maybe if you're really honest with yourself, you've really never committed 100% to follow Jesus. You've just been walking that fence, living in the world, living for Jesus, going back and forth. Come on, today's the day where you go out, all out for him and you experience his righteousness today, his grace today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you today, just slip up your hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yep, just put it up, put it down. This is between you and God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Yep, you can just put it down. Thank you, Jesus. And I would just ask this morning that we would all repeat this prayer as we help those making the greatest decision of their life today. Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And I ask this morning that you would forgive me of all of my sins, that you would come into my life and be my Lord and King. And from this day forward, I will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give them a hand clap today. Heaven is rejoicing.